This episode of Priority One Podcast is sponsored in part by Geek Nation Tours for helping us provide live coverage of the 2015 Star Trek Las Vegas convention. This episode is also brought to you by Mizugai. We thank him and all our other patrons for their monthly support. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Greetings, Admirals. You are listening to episode 236 of Priority One Podcast, the premier Star Trek online podcast. Recorded on Thursday, August 19th, 2015, and available for download or streaming on Monday, August 24th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Jace. And I'm Kenna. Kenna, what's happening this week? This week, we're bringing you two exclusive interviews that we recorded live at Star Trek Las Vegas. One with Larry Nemechek talking about his new project, Portal 47. We also chatted with the Federation of Beer about what else? Beer. In Star Trek Online news, we're diving deep into the new featured episode, Butterfly Effect. We're also looking at the new Bug Bashers initiative at Cryptic, and of course, picking out the salient points of this week's patch notes. And as always, before we wrap things up, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Speaking of hailing frequencies, it's great to receive all your messages. So chat with us during our live streams on Thursday nights at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash live or answer our community questions by commenting on our website, Facebook.com forward slash Priority One or via Twitter at STO Priority One. Did you know that this podcast isn't all we've been up to? Be sure to keep your eye on PriorityOnePodcast.com for the latest in Trek-themed news and reviews, and Star Trek Online videos made specially by our team. And exclusively on our Facebook page, every month we'll be publishing a new comic following the adventures of the USS Prioritas. Head to Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast and check it out. Thanks again to all our Patreon supporters, old and new, that make this show possible from week to week. Because of their support, the servers stay on, the power keeps flowing, and the team keeps producing. Help us improve the show by considering a financial contribution via our Patreon page. One last thing, listeners. Our writing team is looking for new contributors to the blog. If you're interested, shoot us an email at incoming at priorityonepodcast.com or click on Red Shirt Uncle Sam on our website for more information. And now let's trek out Portal 47 with Larry Nemechek. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. And joining us again here on Priority One Podcast is none other than Larry Nemechek to discuss a new project that he's working on and and teased us about it just a few weeks ago and <laughs> has right. now made it official and has announced it. Talk to us about Portal 47. Well, if, if you don't know the legend of the 47 in Star Trek... I'm not going to tell you now that it's all out there, except to say that, of course, it's the most common random number in the universe. But also kind of like one of those cool insider little joke-in-joke things about Star Trek. 
Uh, so go look it up. We've talked about it other places, and it's online too. But Portal 47 is among all the other things that I'm doing, from Enterprise and Space to my Trekland on Speaker CDs and all of that, and everything at Trekland. But for years, I have wanted, you know, beyond books and magazines and my CDs and interviews and all that, I've wanted to take basically my memories, my archives, and my Rolodex of people that have worked on Star Trek over the years that I knew there's a whole different level of fun information, background stuff for the fans that like that kind of thing. Uh, and I just know that there's so much more people can get to and appreciate the shows that I've been privy to, um, or even know that it's there, that I've been trying to figure out the way to do that. And the last couple of years I've been working with a basically an entrepreneur coach and have put together this package that's, it's for lack of a better word, it's like the, the best of the 21st century now that we have technology tools to visit the 21st century like a mini convention all year long, but you stay in your own center seat at home until we have live events and meetups. Basically, it's using uh, the power of the web and online conferencing to, to get together, to have guests, and also to access my archives. Like my, my Trekline CD speakers, I get little chunks of my old analog tape interviews. We've remastered them, we put them out. You know, I've got four, five hundred, six hundred hours of this stuff, and we're doing a little bit at a time, but without getting into details, because basically it's so much to talk about, it's hard to describe, but we're just using all those tools. Where it's getting more of my archives out and getting more of these voices to people. Um, just, just It's not for everybody, and if I'm sounding vague, it's kind of hard to describe, but that's basically what it is, using all those tools. So what I'm saying right now is we're about to have uh, a simple Facebook, a simple landing page, but when I can't uh, talk to people and show them the description live, I'm just having people email me right now. But it's a subscription. I've got a year and I have a three-month trial. Um, so Larry at LarryDemichek.com. We'll soon have a public Facebook, but eventually we'll have a community building up uh, because I want to have it be interactive and have people pick guests who they want to hear from. And I'm not talking to people. You know, We love all the actors. I love them. I love the Michael Westmores and the Dan Currys and the Bob Blackmans, you know, of the world too, Michael Westmores, but, um, and we'll have them eventually at some level, but I, I ran into a scene painter here that was here for another convention who was talking to me about uh, things I did not know, but that's, a, he's a, Ed Sure, he's exactly the, one of the kind of people who can sit and tell you, uh, you know, being on stage every day, and that whole you are there kind of feeling mm -hmm. is one thing that... Uh, and so many of them have not been heard from, and I hate to talk about the ticking clock, but when you talk about the original series and even Next Gen, some of them will not be with us. One of my missions has been to get, as a lot of people know, especially as the years have gone by, uh, when I was working on the companion book, to start this interviewing, and I kept going past Next Gen into Voyager and DS9 and Enterprise, uh, and even on the, on the Bad Robot movies, on the JJ movies, is to get a lot of these people who aren't the stars or even the lead designers because um, like the first assistant, my first Trekland on speaker, I had Jerry Fleck, who was a beloved first AD from Next Gen On, and Jonathan had him on both of his movies. Great stories, and he passed away very suddenly. He was one of those heart you know, issues that no one knew, and, and he died in his sleep during um, Enterprise, and was you know tore up the crew at the time. But I have some great stories from him about shooting the movies, and 
that kind of thing. So there's other components too. One thing I'm going to do is when we have a live Vegas or wherever in the country, whoever's there, we'll have a meetup, you know, and um, that'll be part of the subscription is, is that party. So, and hopefully it'll be around the country enough for people to do that. But it's really, I don't think anything like this exists in yeah. pop culture, much less Star Trek. So it's almost like the more I talk about it, the fuzzier it gets. So I just invite everybody for now to, to look, uh, look for Portal 47 Facebook. Um, and if nothing else, email me at Larry at LarryNemichek.com. I'll get you the info and see if it's see if it's right for you. This weekend, too late for anybody listening, but we had a sign up you know bonus and I had a, a CD and an actual call sheet, and we had a drawing uh, to get people on board right now because we're launching in September. Okay. And this has been like a bonus month, so I'll extend that. I'll extend that to anybody <laughs> listening in. If anybody jumps aboard. Before the end of August, right now, I'll do the Vegas bonus thing. I'll get you right, so we'll, my postage cost. I'll send a CD, one of my CDs, past CDs, and a call sheet. All right. Um, so to email email Larry Nemechek and include Priority One listener in the subject line. Yes, there you go. Yeah, and um, I'll just the postage won't be that much. I'll just eat that. So you know, I say uh, Portal Forty Seven can be for new fans. It can be for bored fans. It could be for fans who don't even know what they don't know about their beloved Star Trek. But I'll say it's not for everyone. So um, if, you're not a, if you're not a background fan, and I say background, I don't mean, you know, if you're just curious to know what else is out there or if you want to take it to a whole new, I can be cheesy and say if you want to take your fandom to a whole new level uh, or depth, depending on how you say it, um, that's what Portal 47 is for. Awesome. So uh, I, it's just everything else, all of our old-fashioned ways, like books and CDs and interviews and, yes, even interviews, uh, it's just moving along so slow. And, and I do want to build up an interactive community where I can tell what people are liking, and maybe we slant that way with you know, either a, a series or visual effects or makeup or you know, just anecdotes from the stages kind of thing. But I want to have it, and then have a secret Facebook group, you know, have a, an in-house group page where everybody talks back and forth. And, and the beauty of it also is, hey, we can be international. We can have the Brits and Germans and Aussies and Japanese and everybody from around the world can, can do, a, you know, browser uh, teleconferencing like that. that so I'm just, awesome. and I'm pioneering it, and it's exciting to be launching this. We're in the Shakedown Cruise, so that's exciting too. Yeah. Well, Larry, thank you again so much for stopping by and letting us know about this awesome new project. I can't wait for it to uh, for it to kick off and for s to hear everybody's feedback about it and, and, yeah. and have them learn so much. So thank you very much. Thank again. you so much for the help helping me get the word out of you. Absolutely. Yeah. A very special thank you to Larry Nemechek for joining us once again on Priority One. And now for something completely different, let's chat to the Federation of Beer. And joining us on this episode of Priority One from Star Trek Las Vegas, the 2015 convention, is Vern Raincock, CEO of the Federation of Beer, and Tanek Wax of the IKV Kalis Road, the Las Vegas Star Trek fan club for Klingons. Yes. Welcome, warrior. The plot. <laughs> so we're having you on the show to talk because we've had... Um, Federation of Beer on. We talked last year. Uh, you had released several brews, um, and you are releasing something new. And more importantly, there's a big announcement for those of us south of the border here in the United States. So why, why don't you talk to us a little bit about that? 
Well, I think I'll start for 2016 first and work backwards. We've already committed to be back here next year. So that's that's my most recent exciting news. Excellent. Uh, yesterday, we had approval to announce to the convention goers that a new beer from Schmaltz Brewing of Clifton Park, New York, award-winning Schmaltz Brewing, is going to be called the Vulcan Ale Genesis Effect. It's going to be a red, sessionable IPA. And the reason Kent is here is I'm proud to announce we're using Warrior Hops. And he and his crew have graciously agreed to come back next year to assist us in the what? launch of the of, beer. Of your beer. Exactly. That is fantastic. More importantly, for those in New York and New York Comic Con, we're hoping to have the beer in New York in time for New York Comic Con. Beautiful. Um, so that's sort of the most recent recent information. The, the convention goers at this show were able to try our traditionally brewed Czech lager called Syndicate, the Orion Seductress. How were they able to get their hands on that? It was interesting to say the least. We first uh, contacted and teleported down from our station in Seattle a wondrous assortment of seductresses. And it was picked up by not only the Masquerade Bar, but Quark's Bar. And I'm happy to announce that it's there's only about two cases left, I think, in existence right now in Las Vegas at this convention center. So it's been very well received. Wonderful. And we've had a great time uh, at this stage uh, talking to people who are asking us, where can we get it? And when can we try the next Vulcan Ale? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, that's, that's I'm, I have not yet been able to get my hands on it. I'm gonna have to search for those last two cases and take them back with me to New Jersey. Exactly, but the most exciting part is knowing that we're, our next batch of beer is being brewed in New York State. Right. It's a lot closer for you now it to is, get. It is. Just across it is. the river, if I, I remember correctly. I know. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, I actually will be in attendance at New York Comic Con, so we'll see you there then again that uh, in, in October. So let's let's talk about the development of this new Vulcan Ale, the Genesis Effect. Uh, how long did that take? What, you know, what was the process in developing a new beer? Uh, the process first is we had had initial discussions uh, last year, actually, last spring, with uh, Jeremy and Zach from Schmaltz Brewing Company on, on the concept. Um, of course, the summer season last year was very busy for not only the Federation launching uh, Klingon Warnog here in Las Vegas, but also very busy for Schmaltz, which had just recently opened up a brand new brewery in Clifton Park. Uh, we, we met uh, just recently in April this year uh, at the Craft Brewers Conference, which was in Portland, Oregon, and sat down and went over the details and timelines um, to get the beer into the marketplace. We originally hoped, and it was a very tight time frame, to get the product into the show this year. Um, there's, uh, there was a few things on TTV approvals and a few things that took a little longer than we expected. Uh, so we looked at it pragmatically to say, let's uh, announce that the beer's coming at the show and get into the market in time for the New York Comic Con. So that's, it, it, it takes time, but um, it's, a, it's a fun exercise, um, especially knowing that uh, we're going to enjoy it just around the corner. Yeah, absolutely. That's very exciting. Very exciting. Now, with the existing beers and brews, how can folks usually get their hands on it? Um, a lot of people have been asking us, and if they go to our website, we have a comment sheet 
they, they can be from anywhere in Canada, United States, and we cannot identify the closest and the most efficient way to get it to them if we're not currently distributing full-time in their particular state or province. A uh, good example is this. There's a small retail outlet called Malt and Vine. They have a website, maltandvine.com. And they right now deliver beer to about 40 states. So any any of uh, your your following uh, would like to try one bottle. I last I looked, uh, Klingon Warnog was two dollars and ninety nine cents a can, and Syndicate Lager was two dollars and seventy nine cents a bottle. And they can then send by courier directly to your house, so you don't have to transport your way all the way to Seattle to pick up a bottle. Nice. So we looked at that pragmatically as a good way of allowing people to order one at a time. Uh, more importantly now, with the, the partnership with Schmaltz Brewing, they're in 40 states. So methodically, we're going to be going into major markets like Chicago, New York, uh, Florida, uh, and Western Canada, of course, is where we started. And, and we expect all these beers to be available in time for Christmas this year. Fantastic. That's exciting. Very, very yeah. exciting. Very exciting. And, and one last thing is I have to thank so many people over the last year who personally reached out to us and requested first contact parties. We've got a lot of locations right now that we're in planning um, and putting first contact parties right now in Chicago now that the beer's there. Uh, I have to thank Benny's who, to bring the product in and, and the people at uh, Geek Bar Beta, uh, Logan's Hardware, and a bunch of other great establishments who've agreed to help us get the product in, in, into Chicago. And, and everything that we've done so far, including Chicago, has originated from fans. So we want to remind everybody that uh, you know we're, we're reaching out. If you can reach out to us uh, through the internet, it's very much appreciated. Or if you're looking at our Facebook, it's uh, Volcanale One at Facebook, and uh, our Twitter handle is uh, Volcanale or Fed of Beer, short for Federation of Beer. It's F E D O F B E E R. Um, you can tweet us. You have some ideas. And that's how we've gotten to this stage, having four beers into the market in less than a year. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, we're looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to tasting a few good brews. Yes. Is there anything that we haven't discussed that uh, you'd like to touch base on? Well, I must thank you and uh, your patience with us, vice versa. Um, more importantly, um, I must thank everybody who's attended this year. I've never had more fun in my life over the last few days the, uh, the ability to talk to fans as young as, I think, two years old. Uh, I met several people. Um, there was a wonderful lady. I must have had a sidebar discussion with her on many topics about Star Trek. And she's, she flew in from Dubai. Wow, so I met, and if, if I look, you, you probably have some stories to tell. I think Kent probably does too. But uh, to be able to talk to people from the UK, from Dubai, um, it's amazing. All Absolutely. in one setting. Absolutely. I highly recommend people who haven't decided to come next year to book their tickets early because um, I had a discussion with our friends at CBS. I don't think there's going to be a square foot of property available at Rio next year uh, yeah. Yeah. From, from all of the people who want to come. Yeah. So yeah. book early and save some money. If you book early, you usually get a better price too, right? Absolutely. So. That's why I was saying at the beginning of the episode, we've already made our commitment. We are here next year. Excellent. And excellent. and I think you said you're going to be back next year. We are certainly trying. Yes, yes. That yes, is absolutely. awesome. So, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, gentlemen. And again, and how can people join the, one of the most honorable groups in Las Vegas? Join us on Facebook and like us there. Klingons of Las Vegas. We are the ITV, Kalesro.org.
And last but not least, in March, you have a gathering planned. Yes, we have a gathering in March next year at Valley of Fire. We have a feast, and it's a, more of a camp out. Wonderful. That's fantastic. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for stopping by here on Priority One, and we look forward to brews. i got to get my hands on some because I'm a beer guy, so looking yeah. forward to it. I think we owe you Wonderful. one. <laughs> thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. If you want to hear more, be sure to stay tuned to Priority One Podcast over the next few weeks as we have plenty more great content to share with you from the 2015 Star Trek Las Vegas Convention. Now let's find out what happened this week in Star Trek Online. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. As we mentioned last week, the latest featured episode, Butterfly Effect, is the penultimate episode of the Iconian War story arc, and is essentially setting us up for the end of the Iconian War. This week, we're going to take an in-depth look at the episode, and Kenna and I are going to talk about some of the themes, whether we think this holds up as an episode, and where we think it's going to take us for the finale. So as usual... Brace for impact. Spoilers incoming. We're instructed to join Captain Nog back on board the Krenim Research Facility in the Kiana system. We've made progress on selecting candidates for a temporal incursion, but the Alliance needs our field experience to help assess the final choice. We will use the holodeck to simulate the results of using the temporal weapon. The temporal research team has narrowed it down to three possible scenarios. Number one. Remove several stars to create a natural disaster on Iconia, around the same time as they were attacked by their enemies. We're hoping that this will make them less vengeful and avert the war. But instead, the simulation shows us that this course of action means the Klingons never united, the Romulans took the chance to attack them, and the Federation got caught in the middle. And while the Beta Quadrant was at war with itself, the Dominion invaded and attacked all three factions. Time to try another solution. Number two, stop the Vodware from being rediscovered by Voyager, thereby not allowing them to be used by the Iconians to destabilize the Delta Quadrant. But as you might expect, in the simulation, the Iconians simply use the hierarchy instead to achieve similar results. Researcher Noy and his Tutarian wife, Clauda, are understandably disappointed. Only one option left. Number three, delay the discovery of the Iconians and give us approximately 700 years to find a tactical advantage over them. Of course, this option would also prevent the destruction of Romulus in the Hobus disaster. So for the Romulans at least, this is a very tempting solution. The holodeck simulation is tense, but not disastrous, showing a possible result where the Romulan Star Empire are still in power and fighting the Borg on the borders of the Beta Quadrant. The Romulan Republic, led by Datan, is still in its infancy and while Commander Jarek, back on the research facility, is saddened by the possibility of having to rebuild the Republic, she is optimistic and agrees that this is the best outcome that we can hope for. So Commander Jarek in the Lisette, Captain Nog in the timeship, and we set a course for our target. We successfully divert a meteor to impact the archaeological site on Danaeus III, thereby preventing Captain Varley from discovering evidence of the Iconians. Mission accomplished. Or was it? As we had hoped, Romulus was not destroyed. But it was assimilated. Captain Nog tells us that we can use the temporal weapon one more time to try and fix it. But we have to know what happened. Cue some ground combat on the assimilated Romulus. A perhaps not surprising cameo by a Borg Hakiv. 
and we find out that the Borg assimilated something in the Delta Quadrant 20 years ago that helped them evolve and eventually defeat the Romulans. The only way to fix it, we determine, is to target the Borg transwarp conduits and prevent them from assimilating whatever it was. Deleting the transwarp conduits got rid of the Borg, but Romulus was once again destroyed, and Noi discovers that in this timeline, the Tutarians were destroyed as well. As our damaged temporal shielding fails, Noi and Clauda share a heart-wrenching moment just before she disappears and we are reintegrated with the timeline, with nothing but a temporally shielded data core to give us any hint that anything ever happened. So let's talk about this. Now, you and I were talking before we started about plot holes. Each of us has ours of choice. Let's see if they're the same one. Maybe I missed something in the dialogue, but how did zapping a meteor make a meteor fall onto the place? I missed that bit. That to me was, I didn't understand it. Can you clarify? Did I miss something? No, I I think it was a little unclear, just that we would do something that would divert that meteor onto the planet. Uh, Yeah, I can't really answer that. When I was, I was sort of making notes on this episode, and then I, and I was kind of looking back at my notes and going, no, hang on a minute. They've, you know, they've diverted this thing to be redirected. And I, and I thought, well, no, that they're talking about time travel. But then, no, it must have been that deleting this meteor from everything must have made some other meteor do something else, I suppose. But it, it was a bit, it was a little bit far-fetched. It was like we actually wrote this as a time travel solution and then we went oh wait we said this isn't time travel so that for me i just i couldn't get my head around it right it needed just a little bit more dialogue to understand why the temporal weapon could do that specifically what i didn't understand is why us not discovering the iconians during that tng episode would lead to the borg assimilating something different in the delta quadrant than what they would have now that may just be something that we don't know yet we also don't know we also don't know what exactly we did to the transwarp conduits. Did that just eliminate the transwarp conduit at Romulus? Or did that destroy the Borg's transwarp network, which is enormous and would have way bigger effects on the timeline? Well, I was wondering the same thing because the way that it was written or the way that I understood it is that they targeted the entire network. And I did kind of feel at the end of the episode, I just wanted to go, well, hang on a minute. <laughs> You just destroyed the entire Borg transwarp network. That's kind of going to change a lot of stuff. And how did we just end up back where we were before? But I suppose, you know, they've found the data core now, haven't they? Right. And I do think the ending was meant to be, it seems like business as usual, but we're going to find out what's different in this new timeline. And that's going to lead us into a new dawn also after the war is resolved. But I'm very concerned because Voyager used the transwarp network to shave time off their trip back. And if they didn't get to do that, well, that would change the whole outcome of Endgame. Well, yeah, because, you know, there's that whole piece with Voyager and Tuvok and the Delta Quadrant. I mean, that has implications just within the Stowe universe. Right. Not, that not would be massive. Everything else. Yeah. I, I would say that there are definitely some things that need to be tied up in the next episode definitely now i do think that it's most likely that we just don't know what happened and that's intended it's a sort of unusual version of a cliffhanger where the setting is now different and we as players know some of what happened to make it different our characters have no idea and we're both going to find out next time presumably 
do you know, I like that theory, actually, because I thought that the sort of end cutscene and where you sort of cut from here, we're going to blast the transwarp network, and then it just kind of cuts to you being back on the research facility. I thought, well, what happened there? But actually, going with your theory, then potentially that was done deliberately. So we go, oh, that seems really weird because that is kind of how what you'd experience at the time. And then you have to start trying to pick apart all the bits that you do know from this temporally shielded data core. Right. And then try and piece together what happened in that bit in between. Right. At the end of the episode, our characters only know that the device was fired twice, presumably the second time to try to undo something, but we don't know how perfectly. So I'm very curious and a little confused. I'm a little confused as well. And that, to be fair, that does affect my rating. And maybe after the next episode comes out, I might come back and reevaluate how I rated this one. We'll have to see. Can I just also ask the question, because everyone's been asking this, can we really rely on the holodeck for this kind of thing? Well, clearly not. (laughs) They did make some mention of enhancements that they made to the holodeck in this. Um, I think it was in Tales of the War, not in the episode. But, I mean, we saw that when we actually did it, it didn't turn out the same way. Yeah, they addressed that by, obviously, it didn't turn out perfectly. And maybe it's just we're working with the best that we have. Right, because there's no other real way to do it. But, you know, I also would like to think that in that Star Trek universe that people would be a little bit smarter than to go... We're making this enormous weapon that's going to, like, delete things from existence. So let's just kind of approximate what we think might happen and just (laughs) have a guess. I would like to think that they'd be a little more detailed and a little little bit more rigorous in their methods than that. But, you know, I'll let it slide. (laughs) We have limited tools at at our disposal. I did like hearing the stories in the episode of some of the other things they tried, like all the different iterations. Some of those I would like to see. Yeah, I would have liked to see that expanded, actually. That idea for me of going back and of having one little thing change and then a whole bunch of unpredictable results. I, I really like that idea. I wish they'd explored it more. Yeah, this concept of the butterfly effect is pretty neat. I mean, you could almost make a movie just based around it. <laughs> yeah. There's also a fan theory going around with some pros and cons to it that the Tutarians have actually now, by our actions in this episode been made into the sphere builders from Enterprise. Now, I'm not super familiar with the details of that, but we do have some comments from Taco Fangs and Zeronius Rex, as I recall, on Reddit, seeming to indicate that maybe there's something to this. Yeah, and we had the reference uh, when we talked to Al Rivera at, at Las Vegas that the enemy or that the new characters that we would be seeing um, in future episodes and the new season would be, you know, people that have been mentioned before, but maybe not seen before. And so that's generated a lot of rumors over, oh gosh, who have we heard about, you know, in the TV shows and not seen yet. So, and and that's one of them. So. And Al reiterated many times that this episode would have a cascading effect on future storylines. Now that could just be because clearly the timeline has changed and I think we're gonna find out more and more about what's different now about STO history. But it could also mean that the Sphere Builders are gonna be huge in season 11. Well, I know you're champing at the bit to give your rating, so let's hear it. I'm going to give it a rather 
sad. Three Dyson Spheres out of five. It's just because I've played it through twice now and I've been kind of disappointed both times. And to be fair, in fairness, that, that may be because it took me a few days to actually play it. So I was playing it a few days after everyone else had. I'd heard all the hype and then I played it and I was a bit like, oh really, is that it? I felt a little confused, like I couldn't quite follow along. And for me, the pacing was poor of it. I thought the beginning was just about right. And then I thought it just sort of went into a very quick tumble towards the end and then it ended. But like I said, I may revise that after we come to the finale, Midnight, which is the next one. And then looking back on it, I might have a different view because, you know, as, as a lot of TV shows do, when you have a, a cliffhanger, you feel really sort of unsettled and things unresolved. And then by the time you get to the end and you understand what was happening, you get a different impression. So I will I totally reserve judgment, but for right now, it's a three or five. I think I would give it a four because I agree with you on a lot of that stuff, but I'm, I really love temporal hijinks and shenanigans and was really engaged with all that. I would have liked some little tease, like just give us something that would be almost inconsequential to the story, but that, you know, our preliminary scans of the data core indicate that in the original timeline, this happened. And, you know, it would be something that we totally assume as a normal thing, but now that's not true anymore. You know, just a little snippet, like, uh, here's what's going to come. You don't even know what's different. Oh, one thing I didn't mention that, that I had wanted to mention was, I think, primarily, I think my problem is that they tried to bite off more than they could chew with this particular episode. I thought there was so much potential there for all of the different scenarios that you could explore. They could have done this in two or three episodes. Not that I'm saying they should have stretched it out, but you could have done a whole episode just on one holodeck simulation. True, though I think that might have been, that might have proven disappointing if you had done that, where like kind of the whole, it's almost like a dream sequence episode. Oh, uh, yeah. I could see why they wouldn't do that. Yeah, but I kind of felt like the potential was there to go so much more in depth to what was going on and that because they were trying to shove so much into it, I mean, there was a lot of content there and then they were adding in the the, the, the B-plot, the romantic um, relationship with Noi and Clouda. It just was so much crammed into, you know, an hour's worth of gameplay and then you have to put some shooting stuff in there as well. It just, it, it felt crammed in there to me and I don't feel like they explored any one thing as well as they could have done. So we'll talk more about your reactions to the featured episode a little later, but for now, that brings us to this week's community question. If you were asked what change to make to the timeline in order to resolve the Iconian War, what would you have chosen? And how would that play out in the history of the Star Trek universe? Remember, the temporal weapon needs a target, and that target is erased from ever having existed. With a priority encrypt message from Starfleet Operational Command, Recruitment Commander Laughing Trendy and Vice Admiral Queen Vaccine have unveiled the new Operational Support Team. Consisting of talented volunteers from the community, this team will help STO's QA and bug hunting initiatives. If you want to join the bug hunt, we'll naturally include the link in the show notes so you can apply. Would you like to know more? This week in patch notes, we have a relatively smaller patch, however. As we record this, a very large, over a gigabyte patch is loading onto Tribble. So we could have some interesting news coming out relatively soon that we'll be able to talk about next week. However, in the meantime, they did resolve an issue related to toggle, auto attack, and passive powers, which was causing performance lag, continuing on with this bug smashing they've been doing. 
Very nice. However, they also resolved an issue that was causing rock and roll to multiply the periodic healing from hold together by 10,000%. You're telling me I just got rock and roll and now there's a 10,000% nerf? Oh, jeez. <sighs> Actually, I don't think I have hold together, so it doesn't matter. It's manufactured outrage, but we have to have a little controversy. Also for our foundry aficionados, they added NPC contacts from Butterfly and House Peg, and also added Iconians as NPC contacts. Intriguing. Again this week, in an effort to bring you some of the news and comments from PWE and Cryptic that aren't officially announced at the blogs, here's the latest comments pulled from the forums and the Twitterverse. Maria Rosso, Zeronius Rex, tweeted, Life as a dev. This was accompanied by a screenshot of her character select screen, including some character names of players I know, presumably copied for bug tests, and especially her Federation Iconian cadet named Delta, captain of the USS Nissan. I hear it's a very reliable ship. Now, while I won't try to do it justice here, Taco Fangs, or Tumor Boy on Twitter, live tweeted slash heckled a rewatch of First Contact, Insurrection, and Nemesis. My favorite, quote, is the Borg Queen and assimilated Kobali, unquote, with side-by-side photo comparison. Yeah, that was really enjoyable, actually. Yeah, I almost put the movies on. That was very fun. I, I think he was inspired by on-screen. I think he may have been inspired by on-screen. Either that or cold medication while battling the con crud. That might be a possibility, too. <laughs> but last but not least... STO Dev Tracker tweeted, Believing the bugs have been worked out, everything should be back to normal with the tracker. Enjoy. Smiley face. Trust me, we will. Welcome back, Dev Tracker. Yay, you're back! <laughs> and lastly, before we wrap up Star Trek Online news, don't forget that the Crystalline Cataclysm event is now on. Now through September 3rd, complete the daily Crystalline Entity queue to collect Crystalline Shards and complete the event project. That wraps up Star Trek Online news this week. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Admirals, we're at that part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Last week's community question was, what are your thoughts on the featured episode Butterfly Effect? And what are your speculations for how the Iconian War will end? On PriorityOnePodcast.com, Chio Yumiku writes, I rather liked Butterfly Effect. It had something in it that the original series has that makes me enjoy watching it. Predictability. Albeit, I did not, spoiler alert, see the Borg coming, but I knew that firing the weapon was going to blow up in our faces. It's the weakest story of this war set, but I enjoyed it. Predictability can sometimes be fun. We all knew that the time manipulation wasn't going to turn out the way we quite expected, but I was very curious to see what we would do. And unfortunately, we saw a lot of the effects of other mistaken changes, but we haven't seen any of the change that we actually did make yet. Marques posted on PriorityOnePodcast.com, Butterfly was interesting. The not-so-covertly appearance of Section 31 was an eyebrow raiser, though. Hint? The final Big Bad Boss had me smiling. That one was not quite unexpected, but seeing that one again was a nice nod or tie-in to the current STO canon. 
Something that sparked a lively discussion in my fleet was that this story and the next would be a perfect moment to cross over into the JJ-verse. Of course, Stowe has no plans nor approval to actually go there, thank heavens, but this would be the perfect portal to branch off into that lens flare-induced rebooted universe. I would like to see a bit more lens flare, actually, in Star Trek Online. Oh yeah, they should have a slider for that. Oh yeah! Small Yoda commented via PriorityOnePodcast.com, I really enjoyed the new featured episode. It was interesting going into the holodeck and running through the different temporal incursion scenarios. This disaster that was caused by changing the timeline is just more proof that tampering with time is a bad idea. As for how the Iconian War will end, I think that another, more precise temporal incursion calculation will be made that will eliminate the Iconian threat. Once that is accomplished, the Krenim will turn on us and attempt to use the weapon to restore their empire to its former glory. Similar to the events of Year of Hell, we will then have to fight back against them and destroy the weapon ship. Ooh, that's intriguing. I like that theory, actually, because I don't think we can continue forward in the current STO universe with that <laughs> weapon ship flying around. No, something's got to happen to it one way or another. Exactly. Uh, but they've also been laying the groundwork, I think, to make the Krenim the baddies, because I definitely got a vibe a couple of episodes back where I was like, I'm not so sure about these guys. And then, you know, Noi really has got a lot of chips on his shoulder. Add to that what happened with Clouda. I mean, obviously, he doesn't now know about that, but something's going to happen there. Right. And she was clearly what was sort of holding him in check. So now in our timeline, he doesn't have that balance. On the Star Trek Online forum post for this episode, Mustrum Ridcully Zero writes, Butterfly Effect definitely has some plot holes or head scratchers. How can we hope that the holodeck can reasonably extrapolate the effect of temporal incursions if it has to rely on limited data of the world? How could anyone even begin to trust the incursion? And a question that remains for me, why was Franklin Drake there? Was he officially there as a member of Section 31, or was he using a cover identity? Because if he was officially there, I wouldn't like that at all. Section 31 is not Starfleet Intelligence. It's a rogue organization, and he should be arrested. I did find that strange. I noticed him there, and he didn't serve any purpose in the mission itself. So it was meant to be, you couldn't miss him. He was standing right there. It wasn't like just a subtle little thing in the corner. So you were meant to notice him if you were paying any attention, but maybe that's going to pay off. We'll see. Sean Newboy posted on PriorityOnePodcast.com, Wonderful show, everyone. I hope all the con cruds go away soon. I liked Butterfly, but am not surprised it did not go as planned. Agreed on all counts. Each week, our social media channels are busy with your thoughts, opinions, and suggestions for the show. Please keep them coming. Reach out to us on facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast. Follow us on Twitter at STO Priority One or shoot an email to incoming at priority one podcast.com. Well, that wraps up episode 236 of Priority One Podcast. Before we go, here's a reminder of this week's community question. If you were asked what change to make to the timeline in order to resolve the Iconian War, what would you choose? And how would that play out in the history of the Star Trek universe? Remember, the temporal weapon needs a target, and that target is erased from ever having existed. Admirals, you know we love hearing from you. Let us know what you think of the show and submit your responses for our community question in the comments section on our site, on our Facebook page, or with a Twitter reply. 
Be sure to catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your podcast catchers to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com and stay in touch with us throughout the week by following our social media websites. Head over to facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast and give us a like or check us out on Twitter via at STO priority one. You can even join the Priority One podcast chat in game. Just type forward slash channel underscore join space Priority One. Admirals, we want to thank you for your ongoing support of Priority One podcast. Thanks to our patrons, we've already hit our monthly running costs, and thanks to Geek Nation Tours, we were able to bring you on-site coverage of the 2015 Star Trek Las Vegas convention from our own table at the convention hall. And don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' other shows like On Screen, providing a new and exciting way to watch episodes of Star Trek, or Guard Frequency Podcast, covering the upcoming space sim Star Citizen. If you like this show, then subscribing to our sister shows is the logical choice. Visit PriorityOneNetwork.com for quick links to each show. The Priority One fleet is recruiting, and there's never been a better time to join. If you're interested, just shoot us an email with your at handle, and we'll be sure to send you an invite. The email is incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. And now, you can become part of our Klingon fleet division, Warriors of Priority One. Today is a good day to join. Thanks to the entire team behind Priority One Podcast for their ongoing, dedicated, and consistent contributions over the years, including our executive producers, Elliot and Elijah our audio engineer, Michael McDonald, with audio assistance from Brandon Parker, Jake Morgan, and Asmaria Depost. Thanks to our graphic artists, Romulan Ale and Jason Smith. And if you enjoy our comics, the creator of our comic series, Jonathan Towery, can be commissioned at Towery Designs, that's T-O-W-R-Y designs, deviantart.com. Thanks to all our bloggers and their managing editor, L. To our foundry reviewer, Jake Morgan. To our video editor, Jerry Tillman, and to consultant Midnight Shadow 7 of Hollow Sweet Media for supporting this show. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. And most importantly, a big thanks to you, the STO community, and our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Red Alert. Ready Weapons. Engage. on Thursday, August 19th, 2015. Uh, <laughs> recorded on... It's because we recorded live through... I now. know, I know. <laughs> I was good for a second. Yeah. You almost made it through the first paragraph. <laughs> yeah, almost. Be sure to keep your eye on PriorityOnePodcast.com for the latest in Trek-themed stuff and more stuff. Right. <clears throat> 
Stuff and nonsense. <laughs> Be Puppy cock. Sure <laughs> Boulder dash. <laughs> you can't say that. Boulder <clears throat> dash? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I, my apologies. Because I'm, and it, you know, like I said, it's Can not I for everyone. Please, Jan Marco Mueller. Jan Marco Mueller. Your son Vincent is at the registration desk. Please go to the registration desk. Was Jan Bueller? Marco Mueller. Was it Bueller? Did, did I really? Did anybody just hear that that was Bueller? Nick, did you hear Bueller? Did you hear Bueller? 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 <laughs> anyone? Anyone? Bueller. And you know, I figured out why the episode got changed from butterfly to butterfly effect. It's a, it's a ripple in the timeline from whatever we changed. It used to be called butterfly. That's the way it originally was. But That makes sense. And then when it was released, it became butterfly effect. Right. And now it's as if it always had been. It never wasn't. Ooh. But that means that the data core for Star Trek Online is temporally shielded because it still says butterfly in the actual mission dialogue uh, well that's because it's holodeck remember it's the holodeck oh server. of course uh, okay sure or something <laughs> uh tetrion emissions caused that probably okay can we move on the final big bad boss had me smiling that one was not quite unexpected but seeing that one again was a nice nod or tie-in to the tur um uh i gotta start that over that's really hard <laughs> Lens flare slider. Yeah, in the uh, in the graphics tab, in the options. Absolutely. Yeah, agreed. Small Yoda commented. I'm sorry. Was said, you something more next to bloom. <laughs> next to bloom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking of the original series episodes where they would have the. Uh, they they do a close up of a female character's face, and it would all be in the soft, of, oh, soft yeah. effect. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Soft focus. Yeah, soft focus. That's it. <laughs> they should do that actually in the game to make it more of a more of a TOS feel. There should be a little tick button that you can press where they go soft focus on female. Yeah, NPCs. just when, when it gives the close up of Noi's wife right yeah. in that pivotal moment. Soft <laughs> bit, focus. Bit of lens flare and some soft focus. It's perfect. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Maybe they'll combine the two in Star Trek Beyond. Yeah. Anyway. Each week, our social media... <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm just going to have a drink. Our social media phlegm is busy <laughs> with your viruses, bacteria, mm. and mitochondria. Yeah, and stuff. <clears throat> oh, God. <laughs> ah, right. You can even join the Priority One podcast chat in-game. Just type for... Oh. Just type forward just slash. Just type some stuff. Just people. type some stuff. It'll be fine. Just join it. Don't be a scrub. If you want to hear more, be sure to stay tuned to Priority One Podcast over the next few weeks as we have. <clears throat> oh, what the? I got a frog there. Yeah. So we have plenty of frogs. We have plenty of frogs in the sea or in the <laughs> pond or out back. I do have a lot of frogs, actually. They're really loud. Uh, did I ever. T oh, no, I'm not going to tell you that story while <laughs> yeah, we're, we're recording. recording. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you later. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> it's going to be good. <laughs> if you want to hear more, and I know I do, no. 